This morning we're going to deal, as we look at discipleship, two very important aspects of discipleship that are problems in the world, problems in the church today. And they, they really are. they perennial problems uh, through, if you look at church history, they, they kind of rise and currently they are issues. The first one is loneliness or isolation. Loneliness or isolation. And you know, you look around and you think, wow, there's a thousand of us seated over here. Uh, Fifty in person and the other 950 in spirit. But, uh, you know, surely none of us would be lonely. You know, there are people that come week by week. They serve God, but they're lonely and they're isolated. Nobody knows about them. And then the second issue for me is this thing of we're an audience or a consumer a group or a spectator uh, kind of stadium. We, we, we kind of have reduced Christianity to being an audience, to being consumers, or to be spectators. Now, those two exist because there's poor or very little discipleship in the church. And so, it's, it's interesting. We get saved out of loneliness and isolation into a family. Christianity is not about kind of converting our way of thinking or our, our kind of understanding of life. It's introducing us to a relationship with God. That's what's so awesome. I remember that kind of first few days and weeks of being saved. It kind of blew me away at this loving Heavenly Father who has done everything for me and Christ who identifies himself as my older brother, who's my Lord, and there was a family around me that loved me. That's awesome. But I tell you, through poor or no discipleship, we can eventually get to the place that even though we are saved, we feel lonely and isolated. Lonely and isolated because we haven't built on our relationships. You see, discipleship's core is relationships. Discipleship isn't a kind of learning program only. Discipleship isn't kind of five steps that you've got to kind of do at a local church. It's the connection that we have with each other. And you know, it's interesting that Christ spends all night praying, and then he chooses 12 who he's going to get involved with, and he's going to, on, on a kind of almost a day-by-day basis, help them with their understanding of this new life that they have in him. And so you kind of think, well, this group generally, because they've made the effort to come to a meeting, would be the guys that have got this right. You see, even though we have it right, it's not right yet until we reach out and help every single person in this church understand the importance of being integrated relationally. And so, if we understand the value of relationships, it's not saying, well, cool, I'm enjoying it. No, how can I make it happen for others? Because that is, if you ask folks, sort of explain the process of coming into this local church. Some people sit at the back for months, terrified that anybody's going to talk to them. You know, they, they, they kind of, then eventually might come a few rows forward, maybe come up for prayer. Maybe make a decision to serve Christ. But people don't just jump into 
a meaningful relationship. They need to be invited in. That's why we say go and have coffee together. You know, invite folk into your home. And then this thing that discipleship breaks is this audience, this consumer or spectator mentality. And, you know, we have preached that. And there has been a lot of pressure on churches uh, to fill their auditoriums. So let's just kind of preach a Christianity that appeals, uh, you know, to my enjoyment and comfort. So, you know, let's not be concerned about people's spiritual well-being. Let's just ensure that they pitch, they fill the auditorium, and then they go. Now, our goal is that every single person finds their godly function in the body of Christ. So not only are we to be relationally connected, but discipleship is about let's find out why God has made us. Let's find out that priesthood function that each of us has. In Matthew 16, verse 18, it says, And I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will build my church, Jesus says. So today, he is building his church. And this is our understanding as we read Scripture, is where we see the record of Jesus building his church. And it's only the church that Jesus is building that has got longevity, it's got victory and ongoing fruitfulness. And so whenever we get to a place where we feel like we got to a dead end or stalemate or we're in a place of frustration or, or so, it's not happening, where do we go? We go back to the scriptures and we say, show me what you're building so that we can get on board with what he's doing so that we can see the fruit come. And the type of church, if we look at scriptures that Christ is building, it's there's an interdependence and a connection with each other. His church is a relational church. I've often heard it said, people will say, you can only have true relationships in a smaller church, you know, where you can get to know everybody. Actually, I do believe that that principle or heart should be able to exist in any size church. We never abandon relationships for the sake of function or for the sake of looking successful. Our relationships are the most important thing that we have in the body of Christ. What is the most difficult thing in the body of Christ? Relationships. What is the thing that for me is going to be a true sign of me maturing is my ability to work with other people, my ability to connect. What is the thing that Christ teaches on most when he teaches his disciples? Relationships. What does Paul refer to a lot of times and, and, and encourage us with is how do we get a, a unity going that is giving God the glory. And so relationships are very key. So if Christ is building his church, he is not trying to make us comfortable. He's trying to make us rely on each other. He's trying to build into us a, a sense of connecting, a sense of belonging, a sense of purpose. And so us who know this need to be reaching out to others. We need to be helping others. We can't sit there and that's it. You know, I'm... I'm if I can make it in and out of a meeting without being detected, I'm successful. There was a stage when we had moved into this auditorium, I got people to sit in circles. And 
around breaking a bread for the first time, instead of sitting in our chair alone, start to break bread with others and talk. Because breaking bread is really a, like a, a meal function. And at a meal, you don't kind of sit there isolated, you talk. You, you know, how's the food? You know, can I pass you some more? Whatever. And then in that context, in the kind of intimacy of friendship and relationship, we break bread. We break it, we give it to each other. So we did that one Sunday morning. And one of the testimonies is there was a man who just started to weep as others started to talk to him. He, he had relational problems. He, he didn't find it easy to open up or connect. He was a bit of a loner. He'd been coming for 10 years to Cornerstone, and it's the first time somebody spoke to him. That is shocking. And so I'm not talking about you receiving friendship or you kind of receive on the receiving end of relationship is we who have relationships and who understand these principles need to be reaching out because there's so many that are not connected in. And so it requires a little bit of effort. And we'll see it in the scriptures later. So if Jesus is building his church, he's building us to be a relational people so that through our love, others are going to know his love. And through our journey, others are going to be inspired. As much as I want somebody to help me, I need to be helping those around. So these meaningful relationships are important. Note, churchless discipleship is aimless discipleship. And I know many people, kind of because of bad experiences at church, have just given up. They serve God at home, watch the occasional bit of Christian TV, and that's it. Now, God has designed this church that Jesus is building is where discipleship takes place. The church is called to make disciples. And we can't just rely on other sources for people to grow and mature and just hope that they do it. No, it's here together we work this out. You see, community is indispensable to discipleship, but community is not discipleship. So we get into relationship with each other, but that's not discipleship only. We cannot be disciples of Christ outside the context of community. However, we can be community that is not teaching us to be disciples of Christ. So two things, we need to get into relationship, and that relationship has got a purpose. I don't want to just get to know you. I don't want to just get to understand a little bit of who you are and hear your testimony. I want to urge you on. I want to encourage you to be better for Christ. I want to call out the gifts I see. I want to pray for you. I want to stand alongside you. I want to cry when you cry. I want to laugh when you laugh. I want to have faith with you. And together we partner in seeing the gospel go out. So it's about being concerned about those who are around us. This isn't a selfish pursuit. And so we use community-based discipleship to learn, grow, and mature in Christ in two areas, Christ-likeness and mission. And so as Greg and I connect, we iron sharpens iron, we share testimony. I, I want to see the likeness of Christ grow in him as he does with me. And then together we find this mission that we've been called to. And so Jesus is building his church. He's building us into relationship 
and He's building us into a godly function. One of the chief ways the Bible describes this is we are the body of Christ. And as we know, the two things that are vital in a body is that every part is connected, integrated, and every part is functioning. So every part of the body is connected via blood vessels, sinews, muscles, nerves. And so each of us needs to be relationally connected. And if you know this, you need to help others. This is the starting point of discipleship. Let's sit. Let me help you understand the the vital nature of how we need to be connected. And these are not just casual relationships. They're covenantal. We covenant together to stand for the sake of this gospel. These relationships have been made possible because of Jesus, the head. He has died on the cross. He has borne our sin. He has healed the rift between God and man and man and man. And through him now we can connect in covenant. And my covenant is you can rely on me and I can rely on you. No part of the body is disconnected. No part. We all connected to Christ. Each part is important. And the Bible actually says that the insignificant parts are sometimes more important than the parts we always attribute great value to. It's amazing. We do. Think about the local church. The preacher, he's got to be the main guy. Who said that? You know, we, oh, the eye is the most important part of the body. The mouth's the most important part of the body. You know what the most important part of the body is? The head, Jesus. I'm playing my part. We all need to play our parts. Some are more vocal. Some are more visible. But boy, let somebody stand on your little toe and it will show you how important it is. Because when you have, this morning I dropped something onto my middle toe. And you know what? My eye sympathized. My eye started to water. And my brain started to issue a message. You fool. Why didn't you catch that before it hit you on your foot? And you see, this is our human way and the way of we try to make euros out of what God doesn't want us to make euros. That's why we become audiences. It's, it's because somehow the preacher, some, he's become the rock star. The musos have become the worship guys. We just sit and watch. And, and the best thing we can do is just applaud all these great heroes. No, our job as leaders, our job as those up front is to connect each person to Christ and to make every single person understand the importance of who Jesus is. He gets all the glory. You know, just lately, there was a report about Ravi Zacharias. I don't know if you've read it. It is the most sad thing out. If there was ever a man who had a righteous testimony and who kind of understood the Word of God and the accuracy of it and the importance of it and who inspired so many of us, it was him. But yet in his own life, there was a hollowness. There was emptiness. He wasn't being discipled. He wasn't helped to understand how important it is. And so as much as he was the rock star up front and preaching great messages and causing groups of students and audiences to to gasp at, at, at how important the Bible is, in his own life he had no relationship. And that was sad. One of the quotes I read to the elders in our, in our kind of desire to want to see leaders released in the body of Christ, we often have released leaders 
who have not become disciples of Christ. And you know what a disciple of Christ is? This is why we all need to be integrated, is we totally reliant on Jesus for everything. And through that, there's an accountability. The elders can ask me, I can ask them, how is your marriage? You know, you know or have you got control over the remote when it's quiet and you're alone in front of the TV? Or, you know, what is your habit in front of your computer? And so there's an openness and a context to connect. But it's amazing how we want to make people the hero. There is only one head, and that is Jesus. Jesus. And we all need to be connected in Him. And a discipleship is about letting everyone understand how important it is that Jesus is the head. And then, of course, in the body, there are unique functions which is awesome. Each has a purpose generally. Keep the body alive, make it work, make it healthy. And then specifically, specifically we each have a function. We are interdependently connected. We help each other function. And so that's why discipleship is important because discipleship puts us all together so it can work. Okay, let's read about this in Romans chapter 12. You're going to probably read it on the screen, but if you have a Bible, turn there. It's always good to read it in your own Bible. So what we are saying is key to discipleship is integration and function. And so discipleship promotes these and makes these possible. And you see, the question is, is not, are you being discipled and are you integrated and functioning? Are you helping that process in the body of Christ? Because as Christ taught the disciples, it was so that they could help others. And so the whole process of Christianity is a pursuit of seeing these values work through the whole body so that the body is fitted together and functioning like it should. So let's read about it. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. There we have it. Every one of us has a sane understanding of who we are, and every one of us has been given faith. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, So we, though many, are one body, one body, one body, in Christ, and individually members of one another. You belong to me. I belong to you. One head, one body, we belong to each other. And then, in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us. So last week I said there was, our understanding from Scripture is that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, with premeditated purpose. And so before we were in the womb, God designed us exactly like he wanted us to be designed, and he's given us grace, so now use it, use it, use that grace. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, serve. The one who teaches, teach. The one who exhorts, exhort. The one who contributes, do it generously. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. In other words, whatever your gift, do it. 
We need that gift. We need the body. We can't have the eye go on holiday or get hurt by his relationships and say, well, I'll make the rest of the body suffer. No, our job is to make sure that the whole body operates the way it should by encouraging each other, working out our relationships, loving each other. Then listen listen to how we are to work in our relationships. Let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. Then amongst us, if, if the starting point of discipleship is relationships, because relationships is what salvation's about, love must be genuine. That's the life flow between us. So as we look around, love must be genuine. Abhor what is evil. How are you going to know evil? Have you thought about that? In your own heart. You're going to have evil intentions. You're going to have evil desires. You're going to want to criticize people. You're going to want to compare. You're going to want to slander. Abhor that. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. And in the King James, greet each other with a holy kiss. Gross. Well, thank goodness for social distancing. Isn't that right? But that's how intimate it should be is I love you, and there's a brotherly affection. So it's not just a Christ love, which is, you know, that agape, sacrificial love. There's also an affection. Have you heard that statement? I'm required to love you, but not like you. That's like the biggest Christian cop-out I've ever heard. No, no, we're required to love, agape love, and like brotherly affection. We're called to do both. I've got to, and it's not just those who are like me or think I'm funny or my kind of little followership group. It's every single person. If I want to come to maturity in Christ, I've got to learn to love every personality type, everyone in the social scale of the have-nots and the haves and the, the racial differences everywhere. I cannot be limited in my love anywhere because that is not Christ. Outdo one another in showing honor. <laughs> what is that? I tell you, that's just seeing other people as important. Honor. I honor the other gifts. If all the preacher ever says is how good he is and how important he is and how you've got to keep you know, contributing and clapping and, and cheering him on, then that's rubbish. Every single gift is important. And we ought to look for ways to honor each other. And, and to build each other up through that honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. So every bit of effort I make in connecting and wanting to work out my relationship, wanting to deal with the differences, wanting to forgive as Christ has forgiven, it's serving God. Our relationship's about serving God. So it's not about kind of selfish pursuit here. I'm not trying to get a following. I'm trying to build relationships for the kingdom's sake. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer for each other. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. The greatest way we can show love to each other is to invite each other into our lives and into our homes into our hearts and into our homes. 
And, and you know, we've we, we got a lot of distance to go with that. You know, too often, you know, hey, Greg, I really need to chat to you, meet you at the coffee shop. Hey, Greg, I need to chat to you, meet you at home. You know, let's get together at home. Let's break bread. Let's talk. Let's connect. And so we show the love of Christ by inviting each other like that. Do you know that on average 10% to 20% of people on a Sunday morning, when we get together in our bigger group, are those on the periphery? They say they're the frail and the fragile. They're the guys who are looking in unsure, the lonely, and the rest. Yeah, they are with us. We had to look to them and invite them into our lives and our homes. Ask God to show you who they are. You have eyes to see it. And on a daily basis, we're connecting with people that way. Invite them into our homes. So, here's the challenge. Let's end with this. is to be integrated and functioning in the local church. So the way we commit to a local church is to be integrated and functioning. It's not to pitch up on a Sunday or to, you know, kind of subscribe to the YouTube channel and say, now I'm part of Cornerstone. It's, it's commitment way beyond attendance. I subscribe to the vision and values of this local church. Uh, and so I need to understand them, and I need to understand, and I need to be assured that it is from the Word, and I need to study the Word. Uh, to be integrated and functioning implies Hebrews thirteen seventeen: Obey your leaders. Submit to them. And you think, wow, that's a really, that is, that doesn't go down with today's way of thinking. You know, obey your leaders, submit to them. Listen to this. They keep watch over your souls. How's that? So leaders aren't there to get the limelight and to make a noise and to show how important they are and for everybody to buy their downloads and their books and, you know, all the rest of it and subscribe to their podcasts and that leaders will give an answer to God. They watch over your souls. Those will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So you see how God puts the body together. Take responsibility for your relationships. Take responsibility. Don't be one who has always got a wet nappy. It's amazing how some people are like that. They always got a problem. Always an issue. There's always sort your relationships out. Sort them out. If people are avoiding you, get somebody who's close to you and say, What is the issue? They might say, You need to wear underarm deodorant. But even worse, they might say that you got some issue. You're always criticizing, you're always negative, you're always cynical. Who wants to be around people like that? No, I want to be a healthy part of the body. Take responsibility for your relationships. The best way I've seen this, you're another brick in the wall. <laughs> we could play the song. In other words, as a brick in the wall, there are certain people that can depend on you, and there are certain people you can depend on, and there are certain people you're alongside. And so there's the sanity of it. It's not like I just use everything for myself. I want you to know you can depend on me. I want you to know I've got your back. You, I want you to know I'm not going to criticize you. I want you to know that I'm going to bear you up in love. I'm going to be praying for you. I want, to I want to support some of this that's going on in this church on my shoulders. And so similarly, I want to use the relationships around me for the same reason. And we're going to do this together.
And so I help and disciple others as I'm helped and I disciple. And so we work through this process. Together we learn how to become followers of Christ. Jonah, do you want to come up? You and the team. So together we learn how to become followers of Christ who are being made into fishers of men. Together we fulfill a unique call on our lives and together we disciple the nations. We're going to pray together.